0: Guys, everyone knows that unchecked anger can be very dangerous, and fury is no exception. Unless we're talking about a T-fury. T-fury is the original pop culture... T-shirt destination selling unique designs every day since 2008. You can snag their shirts for only 24 hours starting at midnight. Guess what that means? Midnight to midnight. Do the math. Missing a shirt from the past and want to get it again? Head to the T-Fury Gallery where you can buy some old designs still in print and vote on others to come back from the dead. Every two to four weeks, T-Fury adds more designs to their gallery, so be sure to keep an eye out for the turn of your favorite shirts. T-Fury shirts cover all your favorite topics and fandoms. They got everything from gaming, sci-fi, anime, TV, movies, pop culture, and all the the other things we do instead of our work. Uh, and uh, their t-shirts change daily, so check back as often as you'd like. I would say every second would be excessive. Uh, also, don't forget about the T Fury after-hour sale. If you miss a day's shirts, by only a little, they keep the sale going into the wee hours of the morning just for you. I'm talking to you night owls. Check out tfury.com backslash nerdist and see what today's shirt is all about. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 99 of the JV Club with my... Wonderful, marvelous guest, Heidi Rose Robbins. Uh she has been referred to on past podcasts. I can't remember exactly which ones, but I would refer to the kulop, cool Elizabeth Lame, Jessica St. Clair and possibly June. Uh, podcasts <laughs> and possibly Casey Wilson. Listen, I'm not sure, but uh, but certainly she's been brought up before with reverence. We adore her, and uh, she is a uh, a very warm, wonderful, dear person. And I welcome you into this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Um, I think that we do some heavy hitting, uh, one of my less silly episodes, and um, possibly one of my new favorites. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, I, I can't think of a better way to hit episode 99 and start welcoming in the second year of the podcast. Um, and uh, in terms of shout outs, I want to quickly uh, give a shout out to my dear Stephanie G. Um, guys, check out her uh, the, the web show that she worked on, Sweetheart, Sweethearts of the Galaxy. Sweethearts of the Galaxy. Uh, I want to thank Arlene and Carla V and Schmoo on Facebook. Uh, I want to thank Holly, Megan C, um, Alec, PJ, Guanolad, Rob, Casey, Andrew, PJ, Joe, Joseph. Um, those are some, uh, people who got in touch with me either via email or on the Nerdist page and, uh, Lynn W for your recent email, my dear, your email, uh, very much made my day. Um, I hope that you are feeling good and, uh, taking care of yourself. It does get better. Um, I think that is it for now guys. Uh, I will, uh, I'll see you. Well, certainly I won't see you, but I will uh emotionally and uh humoristically see you on uh, um wow. Well, that's maybe the worst ending to an intro I've ever done. Uh see you for the 100th episode and uh and take care and I look forward to hearing from you. Bye. Now entering nerdist.com. For those of you who don't know Heidi, and I'm assuming that many of you don't, but you know, there may be some some Heidi uh, fans and friends who end up listening to this episode, uh, but if you're not familiar with the podcast... Um, I do like to once in a while keep track of who sits on the floor and who sits on the couch. It comes as no surprise to me whatsoever that Heidi has joined me on the floor. Um, That was to be expected, but you never know. Could have been that she wanted to sit on the couch. There's never any judgment about the couch sitters in any way, shape or form. But I'm always interested in who wants to, like, get down on the floor and be on the ground and, like, connected to the ground and near me versus um, feeling more comfortable sitting, like, on furniture, people furniture.
1: Yes, I am. A, I'm a snugly ground
0: human yeah, being. <laughs> I would have been shocked if you were like, oh. I'm going to primly, primly sit with my ankles crossed on the couch
1: you would have been welcome to and if you decide to no judgment and I may just lay down halfway through it you're
0: also welcome to do that listen I've been known there are days where I'm like listen my back has been giving me some trouble and I'll lie down on the foam roller while someone's telling me a story so Anything goes. Excellent. Honestly, anything goes.
1: Excellent. Welcome. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you so much for doing the podcast. I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: I was um, saying to Heidi uh, when she got here that the, this feels like I'm cheating somehow because get it, being in your presence is such a treat that I feel like I somehow have like weaseled my way into getting an hour with you,
1: which is... Feels cheaty, feels cheaty, but I feel exactly the opposite. I
0: get
1: to be (laughs) with you, (laughs) yay! Um, How are you? How's it been? You've been—you're always so busy. Yeah, you know that's interesting that you say that because I would say I have always been so busy, and I have started this year in a totally different way where I'm just trying not to be so busy and. (sighs) Trying to not, uh, you know, effort as much and push through and create something new and create something new and create something new. And I'm, I'm using this word. I'm just saying I want to allow instead of orchestrate. Um mm, that's and, great. Yeah. So it believe me it's insanely uncomfortable a huge amount of the time and yeah. I pace my house and you know wonder if I'm behind and if I should be doing something but I'm also realizing that I'm sort of totally like repatterning. Yeah. You know. God that's so huge
0: and that's something that I really that's why I think I respond when you send out little notes about that stuff and just kind of breathing and not pushing. And, um, I do respond to that so much because I do have that same quality, which is to say, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm so interested in, in the way you operate spiritually and, uh, cerebrally and how those two things connect. Cause I feel, I relate to them so well. And I think I look to you as an example in so many ways, because I, I, Because I, it seems to me that we have the, a similar quality, which is wanting to have a world that is full of love and that is very positive and that feels like we're moving in a, on a path and in a direction, but that there's still this machine about it that feels like, well, no one's going to move me forward if it's not me. And no one's going to, you know, and I need to help other people move forward. And I need to, and it, and where that line gets drawn between like motivation and not obsession, but motivation and like exhausting yourself and, and controlling, right? I mean, that's. Such, it's can be really tricky.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, last night I, I got I had the great joy of going to see Mark Nepo speak, who wrote the book of Awakening, and he's a poet, and he's just a super cool, sweet, mellow man who is well well known and just just a gorgeous heart in the world and he told the story about how when he was a kid he was railing against his parents because he'd gone home and he said he wanted to be a poet and they were like what are you gonna do you need to make a living and he said no i want to live a making (laughs) and i was like and i was like i want to live a making and you know something about that just just this sense of coming back to what is really being alive what is being feeling pleasure in your body, what matters, connection matters. You know, I have two kids, and sometimes I just stop myself and go, okay, sit here and be here and love these little beings and don't worry so much about the next thing that has to be accomplished. Yeah. And, um, and for goodness sake, there are cycles, right? I mean, there are cycles in our lives, and we are a caffeinated, you know, nonstop, don't sleep, culture and yeah. all, all the things like sleep and food, they're so deeply feminine, you know, yeah. and we ignore them. We ignore the deepest feminine part of ourselves. And that's what I'm trying yeah. not, not to ignore right now.
0: Well, no, you know? but that's such a good point. And I, and also it feels like we ignore. And then those same things that we so desperately need that we're starving for, we end up abusing in the long run or it is that sort of like if you're constantly agonizing over your physicality and your body and your weight and your diet and your this and your that, that the way that it ends up like you're still going to like there, that part of you is still going to want to be filled somehow. And then it becomes like, well, are you filling it the right way or are you, you know, binging excessively, not just on food or drink or sex or whatever, but like where, where does that stuff because it can't because again, we ignore it but then we don't really ignore it because then we become these petulant children who secretly resent ourselves and the world that we live in yeah, yeah. and then we act out right yeah, in some yeah. way it seems like
1: yeah and I, and it i guess i just return to like you know binging and all, all that sort of it's got a kind of it's got a kind of masculine driving yeah. energy to it and again like the texture of the time for me right now is, and probably has been forever, you know, isn't it funny how we're like right now I've been thinking about, you know, and then I go back and I read journals or something from 20 years ago. And I'm like, that's exactly what I was thinking about 20 <laughs> years ago too. Right? But, but thinking about feeling like I wrote about this recently, what's the difference between feeling and emotion, you know, and emotion is all the currents and the weather that moves through us. But feeling is like really feeling outward from your heart. And like, sensing what wants to come in what you need where you need to be I mean it's like a sensing yeah that is so exquisite and if you start to like for example eating or you know I I was a vanilla latte fiend forever and ever and I finally like at the (laughs) beginning of the year I was like okay that's just about enough with the vanilla lattes but so but I really did start feeling like, do I want that? What does my body really, really want right now? And it's more of a feeling than a head thing. It's you know? so,
0: and it is, it's, I mean, talk about exercising that and the the being uncut, the discomfort of some of that stuff yeah. is so, it's amazing that it feels this hard to get back to a place that is like ultimately the very most instinctual and natural that yeah. we're having to fight yeah. back and fighting is so masculine right i mean not even like but yeah, yeah but just sort of like or allowing that stuff to move aside as we breathe and invite back in the stuff that we really need to connect with for our own health and, and sanity and stuff
1: yeah you know for me it just all comes back to the breath It comes back to breathing. It comes back to the heart and like actually tangibly feeling from your heart, not your head. You know, it comes down to a walk around the block. It comes down to words on a page, you know, articulating where you're at and how, where you want to be. And I mean, you know, it's just simple, simple sweetnesses.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And going back to, to this idea of, um, what you were telling me about Mark Nipo says, um, I just flashed in a very narcissistic way, but I just flashed when you were describing that. I thought, because I've said before and probably said on the podcast that I feel like my parents were really open and in some ways uninvolved with what my future would look like. But so neither of them were ever like up in my business about any choices I was making really um, and always sort of like seemed pretty supportive of whatever I was doing. And I just thought to myself, like, God, I'm so... I think I, I think I thought that nothing I could tell my parents would worry them Mm-mm. because they were really okay with, like, the acting stuff once I kind of got back into that and whatnot. But I think if I had told my parents I'm going to be a poet... That might be the only thing. That might be the only thing that they would have been like. Isn't that funny? And my dad is a writer and a teacher, and he loves yeah. poetry. And he, you know, raised me on sort of Dylan Thomas and like the classics. And but I think if I said I want to be a poet, even my dad might have been like. Like inhale through the teeth. Like uh,
1: I love ooh, it. I love that you want to do that. But oh, <laughs> you know that's so funny. Yeah, it is. You know, it's even now at this moment in my life, um, poetry is starting to take uh, a front seat. You know, because I'm an astrologer and I'm a poet. And but I'm so even introducing myself more regularly as a poet it still brings like, ooh, you know, like <laughs> oh my god, you know, and and people sort of look wide eyed and and. That that's what you do for your job or, you know, I mean, the the question has to follow. Um, Yeah. And maybe it's because poets and have always sort of, you know, they've obviously been the kind of fringy parts of our society that are the magic makers that are the storytellers and they're not the ones in there, you know, lifting the doing the heavy lifting or something they're doing. Yeah. Heartlifting.
0: Yeah no That's a great way Of putting it That's like a beautiful Way of putting it Um, Well this I mean I can't I I, I can't hold off Any longer then Because I want to ask About you As an adolescent And sort of Where the buds Of what you Ended up Pursuing as a career and stuff, where that stuff comes from, and how our families and our environments, especially in those formative years, shape us. And you were saying before we started that you've now been here longer than anywhere else. So where were you? Where like where would we find you as a as a teenager? Like you know, thirteen for
1: well, right at thirteen, we were leaving Fargo, North Dakota. Okay, and we were moving to Ridgewood, New Jersey, and so it was a huge shift. And so um, my North Dakota days were. My dad had a a metaphysical bookstore in fargo north dakota okay. so you know it was an unusual childhood yeah. and my mother was interested in architecture and she painted our house bright green on Amazing. a very conservative block so i mean we were definitely the hippies of the neighborhood um do you have
0: brothers and sisters i have an older
1: brother and a younger okay. brother yeah oh
0: okay yeah middle so child right the middle. The only
1: daughter yeah interesting and when we were in north dakota my dad also was an opera director so i was from the get-go in theaters in the backstage of, of you know opera world That's so cool so um then we moved to new jersey and so you, you would you would have found me at age 13 going into what probably ninth grade you know at a new school at new school and um were you scared i was very scared but you know it was so funny the very first day they had this little sweet morning coffee or it was probably wasn't coffee it was like lemonade for the yeah. new students and oh, every new st- nice. i know it was like very civilized school and of those new students, they I mean, they all became my best friends from that first day. So, like, there were five fr- new girls and a couple new guys, too. And they were all like that. That was my group from then on. So it was very strange. Oh, wow. Yeah. God, yeah.
0: That, yeah, that,
1: yeah. You just locked
0: right in yeah. from the very yeah. beginning. What are the chances that those people I ended know. up being... I mean, you know, to to have like a deeper connection with other than just the newness of it all. It's so
1: interesting. I know. It was meant to be and it was a very gentle transition. And, um, you know, not all of them, but many of them were interested in theater. And that's what, you know, I spent my, that's what I spent my adolescence doing for sure. And I was also very lucky that this brilliant man uh, started a new job at Ridgewood High School uh, as I entered, and he was one of these devoted, passionate men that should have been like directing Broadway show, you know, I mean, he was completely committed to 14 year olds doing oh, the crucible, you so know, great. And so I was just like in heaven, because that was mine. Did
0: he treat you as not adult, per se, but was it there that sense yeah. of
1: huge, huge sense of like, you show up and you give everything and I expect this of you. And you know, we I mean I think we're all you know, all of us that have, were in theater early on was like that's what you did. You finished school and then you took a break and then you were there till ten o'clock at night and yeah. you know, without a without batting an eyelash. Were
0: you were you um this is
1: not that important. I don't know why
0: I need to ask it, but were you, did you walk to school or did you yeah, take a I bus? To school. Or, okay. Yeah, was, so you yeah, I never by.
1: have taken a school bus and my daughter has yet to take a school bus. And she's like, I want to take a school bus, <laughs> <laughs> but I well, was always, within, I know I was always in walking. A lot of school. early mornings. Oh my
0: gosh. Cause my high school was the first school that I could walk to. It was very close. And, um, the difference between being able to get up, Right before school starts, versus because I had to take a bus to another school to transfer, you know, so it was oh like a neighborhood gosh. school bus picks all of these different kids who are going to all these different magnet program schools. So that picks you up. And then you go to a, a school where everyone transfers and gets on the bus that goes to their school. And then that, those schools were always on the opposite side of town for me. So when I think about like what time school started and what time I must have had to get up, no wonder it was always dark. Oh my like, god! Like it's so crazy. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of, that's a lot of extra time. And then in a lot of extra time at the end of the day. And then the, when you do, when you are a theater kid or a dance kid or whatever, and you have rehearsals afterwards, what a long school yeah. day getting home after all that. And like. Yeah, but that's like exhausting. Gorgeous
1: passion of of uh, you know those high school days where it's just like ah, you live and breathe and eat and all of that. Yeah.
0: Are your brothers? um, Because it's interesting, just based on uh, knowing that your dad had the bookstore, and it sounds like he was a very spiritually connected person. Is there? I feel like I know I have friends who kind of evolved into the reverse of what their Mm. parents were and were passionate Mm. about, and people who very much were a a product of, you know, that kind of upbringing? Are your brothers also connected in that way? Well, what's
1: interesting is I definitely am the one that followed in my dad's footsteps. I mean, he was first interested in opera and opera singing and artistry, and then really devoted his life to uh, metaphysics and teaching and all of that. But my my younger brother is a philosopher and a timber framer which is a fabulous combination. Both my brothers like six, four huge bronze men. I mean, it's like so funny, uh, (laughs) but my younger brother is, he will, he wants to philosophically prove everything up to the point where my dad leaps off, you know? Mm. So he doesn't, he won't go to the realm of metaphysics really. Mm. Um, And then my, my older brother is actually very much engaged in, Um, a lot of what my father teaches and, Mm -hmm. you know, but it took him a long time to get there, a long time to get there. And there was a lot of rebellion and a lot of, you know, what would I say? Like wild high school days that were out of control. (laughs) Well, I did my homework in my room like a good girl. You were a good girl.
0: (laughs) Did you have, did you have, uh, feelings of what, what do I want to ask? Like, um, you know for many people who grow up with a more conventional sort of christian or jewish faith or even i suppose you know i think i think there were, i listen i have absolutely no idea i'm <laughs> going to say right now i have no idea if you have a, if there are the same crises of faith with eastern religion that there can be with western mm-hmm. religion so mm-hmm. to speak but did you have like did you did you have a crisis did you, have you ever had a crisis of faith in terms of sort of what you espouse and what has brought you th- you know the
1: yeah. joy and the comfort you know i would say no i would say that it it from the get go it really made sense to me in my heart but what i will say is that it it has been a great struggle through my life to it feels like a very personal thing and it feels like something that I know that most of the world is not going to, you know, in in my head, it's like, I know most of the world is not going to be open to this way of thinking, you know, that's what I carried from a teenager on. And so there are even shreds of that remaining where it's like, I can't talk about This whole world with just anyone, and um, so it's not so much I didn't have crisis of faith as much as I had tentativeness around like this is important to me, and I'm not quite sure how to talk to you about it, Mm -hmm, you know. -hmm. Um, And then I would say like right now I'm in an interesting moment, you know. I mean, (laughs) it's interesting where I really have followed a great deal of my father's journey, and he's a brilliant gorgeous, wise man, and who wouldn't. But also at this strange moment in my life, it's also like, okay, but he's hugely cerebral, and I am hugely of the heart. And this is the moment where the heart really has to forge its own path. And it's always been so for me, but even more so now to the point where it might have to be a little bit of like, redirecting where my energies go yeah i hope that doesn't sound too abstract
0: no no i mean i
1: think listen
0: but you do a better job of describing things than most of us do (laughs) when we can't put words you know to our feelings but um and so when you were so when you ended up in new jersey and there you were in high school you said that you were a good student Mm. um were you close to your mom too like did you go through a period
1: where you were sort of the, a teenage girl in any kind of that way, where you know I ne- th- that's the funny thing, like I laugh about this. I really never had any kind of rebellion, so i think I, I, I think I'm having it now.
0: <laughs> 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 you're entitled years Listen, you're super later entitled. years super
1: later entitled. no no but I mean I think um, I just was it was never felt like there was I had thought, had comp- incredible support my mother was incredibly supportive I mean uh, she was very much of the earth very much architect and, and, and ma- very matter of fact and my dad was very much of the heavens and I had to find the territory in between so I'm like very practical about my astrology I'm very like no nonsense about it If it's a tool that works let's use it you know Yeah. so so um, yeah, so I never had any kind of like, and I think my brothers were both having such wild rebellions that it was like I need to keep some semblance of peace in this house. Sure. You know? um, so yeah, interesting.
0: Well, I'm and and I think like I have, I certainly. I, I, it's funny because I was when I was in high school I was certainly doing things that I knew my parents wouldn't approve of my um, relationship with my mom uh, as these guys know was not amazing um, until I was you know out of out of the house so to speak even though she didn't really have me a lot of the time because my parents split but um, not until I was older did I feel like she sort of like embraced the good stuff about me but I knew like my dad wouldn't approve of a lot of the stuff I was doing, but it never, it was never acting out against him. And it was never, ai don't remember ever feeling like this contempt or disrespect for my parents. Right. Yeah. And, um, and when I think about it, like most of my friends who were also doing things that I don't necessarily advise young people to do again, it wasn't because of. Their relationship to their parents and there wasn't a whole lot of like screw you mom and dad like they all had really like i'm thinking about it and really like my three closest friends had very tight relationships with their parents and there was. I think more than anything, a sense of like, how much can we tell our parents without disappointing them? But, but like, I don't know that there was this huge desire to separate from and keep secrets from and disappoint or, you know, anything like that. So it's interesting because sometimes I guess, I don't know, like whatever was going on with me emotionally that made me want to, for example, as these guys know, I'm not proud of this, but like
1: take acid
0: Mm -hmm. when I was young. Yeah. Yeah didn't feel like it was like a retort of yeah. any kind right. to like my parental unit, you yeah. know?
1: Yeah. Well, it's just, it What's it, it the time when we're sort of exploring our boundaries and what, who are we? And, you know, is this a part of the whole, the self that I want to move forward? You know, I mean, I, I don't know. We're just I, likewise, like my parents gave me a lot of room and I would come back at night and be like, I'm home. And they didn't really give me a curfew. And I would know what to tell them about the next morning. And I would know what would upset them and what yeah. wouldn't and i would yeah. you know and and i would just keep it simple yeah, yeah.
0: did they share with you um because that's another thing i'm always interested in about that period of time like how much do our parents share with us what they were like at our age um and also how much of a window into and i don't mean for you to tell their yeah. story and yeah, if yeah, anything yeah. feels like you know violating, just to, oh. you know tell me but um But you know, how much do parents expose of their own relationship in in a family versus like this is no, we we have our separate relationship and we have our relationship to you versus like the whole familial structure? I don't even know what I'm asking,
1: but well, you know, I would say I, my parents talked very little about their relationship, and there were there were plenty of tensions in the relationship. What I did hear a lot about was my mom's youth, like my mom's high school time, and she was wild. And oh I loved, yeah, I loved hearing about it. And I actually interviewed her about it much later, and was like asked her all the questions I ever wanted to ask her, and she was sort of delighted and awed that I was asking her, but. Um, but she—it was so lovely to hear about her like early relationships because she was just free and uh, open-minded, and she talked. You know, she went to the University of Michigan, and she would always talk about like, how she would go on one date, and she'd go into her sorority, and then she'd go out the back door to go on another date. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, hello! You know, you know, there we go. And I think, I think. I'm not sure my mom actually wanted to be a mother. I think that she would have she would have loved to be one of the women that was just like in the cu- cutting edge, like do your career, and she did. She went back to school when I was ten, and that's when she became an architect. But um, yeah, in terms of their own relationship, not 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 much not much revealed. I knew they met like she was putting a mustache on him at a play at the University of Michigan, and, and that's pretty. You know, great. I knew some little things, but then. Life gets in the way and some, you know, sat- betrayals and sadnesses happen and things like that. Yeah. And then you, you know, hopefully we don't, hopefully we don't narrow, you know, but I think we, sometimes when we're in pain, there's a kind of closure. And then I think we need to spend a good part of our lives unfurling that closure so we don't <laughs> live in it. Yeah. You know, did they
0: stay together or did
1: they 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 bargain? divorced right as I married. So they, they married, for, they were married for 35
0: years. Yeah. That's so interesting too when people decide to call cuz I my model is zero like basically zero memory of my parents together. Wow. So that's it's I mean and also like I'm I'm so unwilling to make things about blame and so on like yeah. the whole process of like examining your childhood and like what you know what did you take from your upbringing and what is what is your upbringing quote-unquote responsible for for whatever is broken about you and all that kind of stuff like i feel like it's obviously important to recognize stuff so that you can unfurl and kind of move forward but that there's also not a lot of sense in kind of you know just lingering in it and like like attaching a label to yourself that you can never be rid of. Like, well, I guess i messed up exactly. because of this thing that permanently happened to me that I can never unglue or whatever. But, um, it, but I'm so I I'm also so fascinated by you know the difference between f- like a, a a parental unit that stays together through a person's adulthood versus p- like having no memories of your parents together, and then the the in between of really having put in a lot of time. Yeah. And then still being able to acknowledge, like, this is, it still needs to end, you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't forever feels different when you've been together for two years than it does when you've been together for 35. And it's interesting. That's a huge decision to make. What an enormous decision to make.
1: Yeah. And I think what was really what's been powerful about it is that there were a couple of years of, you know, tenderness and pain around it. But they are now dear friends, you know, and so in some ways, the relationship has just changed form, you know, love that. And they really have gone on to both of their lives have improved dramatically. And they always were deeply supportive of one another's growth, you know, and that that I will say was a gorgeous model for me in partnership um, is like how they did Really support my. I remember my father really saying, "Yes, go back to school. This is wonderful." You know, and she was one of the first five women architects at this school. You know, and uh, so that that is something that I've definitely taken into my own marriage. And whenever one of us wants to go and do something that is about our growth, it's like go, 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 and we really just go back and forth and take care of the you know hand off the kids and whatever it is, so we can we can grow and we can come back to the relationship and the relationship changes as a result of each of our growth. And it, that's one of the, my most favorite things about my marriage is that, you know? So, that's and I think so that
0: inspiring. was inspiring. That's just so good to hear. Cause I think you're right. There's so much, well, I guess you didn't say this explicitly, but that we get, I think we're in some ways also conditioned by our society or the world that we live in because we have, I think there's, we're, there's so much fear projected onto us. I'm like getting emotional, but I knew I was going to because of seeing you. But there's so much enabling of fear in our society, in our American society is even just as simple as that. Um, there's so much that benefits the wrong people or benefits even well-meaning people who aren't really seeing that what they're breeding is fear, mm. Um, that we get filled with these fears up to and including this idea of things, not being able to stay in a relationship or not being able to, um, grow and change Mm. and not, not just being able to accept and welcome change, even if it's scary and sometimes it's good change and sometimes it's bad change and everything flows and it goes through cycles, but also this idea of like, Tying a relationship to yourself, like you guys handcuff yourself to each other and through thick and thin, that's supposed to be the thing that stays constant. But the way we think of as constant is inflexible and therefore subject to
1: shattering. Yeah, If we exactly. don't feel
0: they have that flexibility.
1: It, it's beautifully said. And it's, you know, it's, it's for me, it's always... Two questions. It's like, is this is this a decision made out of fear or is it a decision made out of love? And you know, my beloved teacher, Sofia Diaz, will always say, um, "Look, we're always only doing one of two things. We're always either opening to love or we're closing down around it." And so, you know, mm. when when Andrew and I are making decisions, it's really about like I can feel into the beauty of his growth if he goes and does xyz you know and then the decision is made around that i could also be like oh my god but i'm gonna it's gonna be hard with the kids and the money and whatever but you know that there's 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 beauty in making the decision around each person's unfurling
0: oh i absolutely love that i I just love that um okay i'm going back into a a lighter place Uh, i mean not this. it can all be it can all be thick or thin but um but when you were in high school, what did you, like, did you think of, here's what I'm asking, is that a lot of girls, like, I, I'm always interested too to find out sort of as you're shaping yourself at that age, you know, I have friends who are like, I didn't think about what I wore ever, I had no sense of wanting to express myself in that way, versus you know oh i i I would wear these wild outfits and this and that, but I had no taste in music, like I would just listen to whatever was on the radio mm. versus I cared neither about clothes nor music, but I was obsessed with reading books and da da da. So how did your expression of self take its shape? were you um Did you, you know, were you into, and I don't mean that in a, in a superficial way, although certainly some of us have been and can be, I remember while I didn't give a crap about brands or anything when I was in high school and I was really into wearing ridiculous clothes for whatever reason, like three years before that, I did feel like I need to have guest jeans. So no, no judgment, you know, no judgment on that. But, um, but how did you sort of like, how did you externalize, uh, you what you were what was going on inside did you care about that stuff yeah. did, was that
1: fun for you you know it's so funny a couple of things just came to mind i would always raid my mom's closet and find the pieces that she wore like you know 20 years before and i would sort of put them together in unusual ways and i loved i loved dressing more vintagey do you know and Me too. my 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 boyfriend <clears throat> all through high school he was wild and i remember he came to school once in a his dad had did a, had um, directed a Purina dog chow commercial. He came to school in this checkered Purina dog chow outfit with a Amazing. dog collar. I mean, like he was Amazing. like he was insane. He was insane, you know.
0: But you were with him the whole yeah. High school? I was, I was. So that's interesting, right there, right? Is that you have this like very colorful character who you describe as wild as your boyfriend, but obviously there was a stability inherent yeah. in your relationship to be together cuz that's unusual right to have a boyfriend it for is. the entirety of your college or your uh, high school yeah. life yeah. it was very turbulent was he one of the but people you
1: went- met on the first day um it was we met uh i think doing the first play we okay. met doing the first crucible but um i mean he was he 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 wanted me very much to himself he you know and i had a lot of guy friends and uh we did a show called street scene where he played my jealous husband and i remember this such a funny scene where i'm like up on the second story of the thing and behind the window and he's coming up to shoot me because he because <laughs> oh, i've had God. an affair <laughs> and this is you know the backstory is that he was jealous of a guy in the play and he came up and the way that he shot me was with a hammer like he pounded the hammer onto the stage the backstage he was like storms up boom boom (laughs) Um, and I just remember that moment of like, I knew he was furious with me outside of the play and inside of the play, he was killing me. And it was, it was all quite dramatic, but he was a sweet man and a sweet boy. And we had a lot of fun together. And did you break up and get back together? Yeah. Several times. We, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah,
0: but, that seems only yeah. natural, but just.
1: there were only, there were short breakups, you know, and he was amazing because he would take me into New York and he would always get tickets. And he, we saw the ballet, we saw night mother. We, you know, we, we would, we saw, all kinds of you know different shows and I, I felt like so grown up you know sure going together it was very sweet and I to this day I you know I adore him and um I'm so grateful for that time absolutely yeah
0: yeah and there's such a specific like everything every different kind of relationship feels like it has its place and it brings its value but those those turbulent times when our hormones are raging and we don't really you know we we sort of are 100% sure that this is how we feel one day, and then three days later we feel exactly the opposite, not just about that, but about just yeah. about anything. could be even a subject in school or a paper you wrote, like, this is the best thing I've ever written. This isn't garbage. <laughs> yes. um, Those. That's why I'm, I love that period of time, and I love spending time with other women talking about it, because the way that those memories burn into your brain, like, I can connect to feelings that I had in some ways when I was 15 on a more intense level and pull them up more immediately than something that happened five years ago.
1: Sometimes. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm blown away by that. Like, um, my high school boyfriend shows up regularly in my dreams. And Mm -hmm. when, you know, just as a, touchstone around love and it's so interesting and like i also have a very bodily memory of him um taking me home at midnight on his bike on his little ten speed bike or oh! whatever it was and like we there was a hill that would you'd ride down this hill to get to my house and i remember just like flinging my arms open and riding down this hill and feeling like i am 16 and i am in love and this is the sweetest thing in the world yeah. you know and i mean Those are the first... I mean, I think it's because... Perhaps in high school, it's the first time that we're really tangibly conscious of what it is to blast your heart open, Yeah, you know, and then to feel it close. So, you know, then to feel it like close and feel like so contracted that you'll never be able to open again and you're broken hearted and da, da, da. But that, that exercising of the heart is, is big time in high school. It's so
0: great. And how magical that must have been to go into the city and have that experience, like that Big uh, on a very literal level, the big experiences like that, where you're sort of, exp- I mean, like what's bigger in the United States than New York in a way? Yeah. You know, it's so big. It seems so overwhelming. And so for someone like me, I mean, I did a fair amount of traveling. I still had never been to New York or any place like that. I mean, I guess my my big thing would have been like going to San Francisco for the first time when I was 13. And look, it made such an indelible imprint on me that I was like, that's my goal. Like get back there as soon as possible, whenever you can and move there as soon as I could. But, um, the, just the bigness of that is so, it's like both overwhelming when you're younger, but also somehow maybe you have the capacity to just absorb it more and on a more visceral level too.
1: Yeah. And it's the first, you know, out, on your own in the city i remember being at a you know 24 hour diner in the city a jewish delicatessen or something and you know and just talking about the future talking about marriage talking about you know babies talking about all kinds of things and it's the first time you have those conversations and it's um yeah it's all very sweet and mind-blowing and magic and exhilarating and yeah
0: and did you have were you because obviously you're a very empathetic person did you feel an acute awareness of other your your surrounding your not just your family but your family of friends and even people that I mean did you have conflicts with people that like no. Yeah. I don't know that I had... You know what I mean? I didn't have a lot of like... I wish I had. I don't know. I think no. I had my... No. Any conflicts no. I had were mostly romantic, yeah. kind of crazy, whatever that stuff is. But I didn't have a lot of like... But some people really had like, there was this one person in this class that hated me and da 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 and I hated them or yeah. whatever and whatever that fierceness was about. Did you? Did you feel... So you didn't have those, but did you... Like how how acutely aware and empathetic were you to other people? Cause we can also hugely, be very self-centered. Hugely. I
1: mean, no, no, I mean hugely. And I had a, I had a group of friends that I adored and we were very creative together. And, um, I remember, you know, thinking about poetry. It started very early, but uh, one Christmas, I all for all my friends, I made this poetry tape where I made a po- I recited a poem for each of my friends, and I chose it according to what they most mm, needed. I you, know, love that. you know, so I mean, I I if anything, I felt probably too deeply because I would always carry whatever pain someone was going through. You know, mm. and I certainly had women um, girls that. I had, you know, that I was jealous of or that I wanted to like me or that kind well, of thing. Well, you're but a there, human being. Yeah, <laughs> but there weren't, you know, there weren't the kind of... Uh... Heathers. It
0: wasn't like a heathers. <laughs> yeah, no.
1: I was just, yeah. I was too... Um, I just wanted to keep the peace at all, t- all times, you know, and... Um,
0: Did that make you also the person that everyone kind of came to to sort of unload on? So not only are you empathetic, but you also
1: become the kind of...
0: place for other people to empty that into (laughs) without a better way of putting it. But
1: yeah, I mean, I think from the get go, I've always been a person that says, tell me about how you are. And I really want to know, and I want to know, uh, fully and deeply. And I, I'm, I'm not a big one for sort of like, um, the, the superficial conversation. Not that I. Not that I always want to be like. Okay, let's talk about the depth of our <laughs> despair because I love to laugh. I love yeah. to laugh, but I don't like to keep things just sort of like polite. Yeah, you know? yeah. And oh, and then I went to see this movie, and then I, you know, it's like I want to, I want to hear how you are. And my friends make fun of it, me even now for it because we'll go out for dinner. I'll be like, okay, let's let's, let's check in. What's going on? You know. <laughs> ah. But I think I was like that as a kid too, and um,
0: yeah. We also have, we have, we're going to be exposed to those kinds of conversations no matter what if we are interacting with the world on any, you know, any kind of other level. And so the opportunities to get deeper, like, why wouldn't we take advantage of those when you know that you're in a safe place or with a person that you can have that with? And to your point, it doesn't mean that, that it's like, I'm asking for your complaints. It means like, really, where are you? Like, yeah. what's great? What's, yeah. what are you learning? What are you feeling? What are you, what's different? How are you evolving? What event has happened, but not just like the what of it, but like the how and the, and the, and then what the impact is and all that kind of stuff too. So, but I'm not sure that everyone
1: wants to have those conversations. Like, you know, you and I are in the realm of artistry and empathy and, you know, and deep care and, uh, I think that it's a it's an incredibly vulnerable thing to talk about what you love, how you're growing, what impacts you and and there are many people that would rather just keep it Close, and yeah. I mean, maybe even so, they have one or two people, but it's like it, it, it's not everyone that feels comfortable at a dinner table. Just going, okay, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. Know. I guess that's true. No, you're right. Even sometimes with the podcast, like you know, you guys are the most amazing listeners ever, and I will get you know uh, the occasional email that says not just like that they enjoy it, but also like that there's you know a sense of bravery in the in the vulnerability of the guests and stuff, and. um I think I'm so – it's good for me to hear that and have that reminder because I get so into my own just simmering in my juices and Mm. like, yeah, but this is just what I – like, I got to talk – you know, I want to talk about this and I want this stuff to be closer to the surface, if you will – And I do kind of forget that, like, maybe those conversations aren't being had by everyone every day all the time. Especially some of the male listeners who write in and Mm. are like, God, I never Mm. had access to these kinds of conversations before. And thank God I have them now because I have a daughter or because I'm married Mm. or because I, you know, I understand my sister better or whatever. Um, It just so happens that I never – I don't interview guys. So, you know, whatever they're saying is not, like, on a sexist level. It's just, uh, for like, not a sexist choice for me, but – um it's nice to hear that, you know, that it cracks something open yeah. for people from well, time it's to time.
1: Hugely the gift of what you're doing. I mean, like, even to just feel into where I am right now after talking with you for this period of time, it's like so much softer, so much easier, so much um like in the this deep appreciation of my life and the deep appreciation of like what it is just to have a conversation about who you essentially are, you know. Yeah. And and what you're doing is talking, I mean, talking with me about being and not doing, you know, and, yeah. and I think that people must feel that and that's an incredible gift that you're giving Well, thank you for that. I'm glad I set
0: myself up for
1: a compliment. <laughs> I really
0: teed that up perfectly didn't I You just hit that ball right into the hole Uh, I made it sound like I know anything about golf just then I know zero Um, when we get older, I think there's sometimes less sharing about joys mm. I don't know why and like more sharing about sorrows, mm. but um even specifically with like illness, no, I'm just monologuing, but even specifically with illnesses, like I think I just, there was an otherness to illness or death, um, that I wasn't as connected to. I certainly would feel deeply about it, but my God, I cannot just get a word out. All I'm trying to say is I super understand my mortality. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, I understand it in a different and more profound way. Like every day, as I get closer to dying, whenever that is, I feel like I, w- the muscle I have to exercise, <clears throat> is not fearing something bad happening, but understanding and accepting that anything's possible, and that for this day, that I don't have that challenge in my life. Like for this day in this moment, I, whatever my problems are. Are not as severe as they could be and as that people I care about are facing and I was just talking to someone who went through a health scare and as it turned out you know she's okay but that feeling of everything falling away and that one answer becoming this the only thing that matters Um, and if you ever have to cross that threshold what have you built up for yourself emotionally around it to recognize that like, even if tomorrow you found out there was no tomorrow after that, to be able to look at your life and go, God, I certainly tried not to take any of it for granted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think what, what's so beautiful about what you're saying, uh, David White talks a lot about apprenticing to to your own death, you know, apprenticing uh, mm. and to, and even last night, again, when I went to hear Mark Nepo, a, a young woman in the audience asked about like her fear of death. And and he spoke about, and you know, yeah, we need to live with death. We need to be intimate with death. Like it is right at our shoulder, but we need to be leaning into life and we need to lean into life heart first. Cause we can get overly, um, uh, Enwrapped or in this conversation with death to the point where we're not living our life, but we need to every moment, like every moment could be the last, right? I mean, every moment, you know, oftentimes again, my beloved yoga teacher will say freeze, you know, and she'll be like, what, what if this were the moment that a tiger, you know, entered the room and ate you up, right? Do you want, do you want to, do you want to leave with the closures that you're living right now? Or in this moment, do you want to open a fraction more so that you actually can meet this next chapter, uh, a little bit more free? So, you know, a lot of us push away death and a lot of us like, okay, now I'm this old and I'm this old. But in fact, if every moment, every, if we could live each day with this, with total intimacy that any moment could, could be death, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and yet rawly and gorgeously and vulnerably open our hearts, that's, you know, that's the way to live. Oh God, I love it. I love it.
0: All right. Um, This is one of my favorite things to do. Oh, how funny. Okay. Uh, I never prepare anyone uh, in advance, so um, I forever am apologizing. I've created a cycle of apology to my listeners. Uh, I don't know if you ever played this when you were younger, but this is uh, The Game of MASH, Mansion Apartment, Shack and house. Oh my gosh. Uh, In the old days, it would be like three cars that you could drive. And that this is sort of a ridiculous game of a process of elimination. But what I like to do um, is do this game as a sort of mental uh, frivolous exercise. And it's sort of like almost a post interview after the interview where I try to also do some of the traditional stuff, but incorporate some things that have come up during uh, the podcast So, for example, I might say, um, give me three hobbies that uh, you, in our MASH world you have uh, an abundance of time to pursue three hobbies and you'll end up with sort of one as we do the process of elimination, but, but list three that you would love that in this, in this, in this exercise you have all the time in the world to pursue.
1: Okay. I like, um, this is, it's going to, I like making collage books that are part collage and part poetry. <laughs> is love that it. too intricate? Not at all. Um, Not at all. Uh, Gosh, I wish I were more of a hobby girl. I um, I would love to spend more time reading autobiographies. Love it,
0: (laughs) love it. These are great. Are you
1: kidding me? I think I would love to devote more time to my yoga, but the the kind of yoga that is just not at all about the perfection of the body, but the gorgeous uh, flow of love as you move. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm in. I'm
0: in on all of these. In in in. Okay, how about um three people who are real people because I'm going to do a different category in a second, but three real people um that you you would love to have like a, like a great friendship with um, three sort of – it could be a writer, it could be an actor, it could be a politician and from any period of time that uh, suddenly one of these people will end
1: up being like your best friend when we're finished with so, this. So, some yeah, somebody that we – somebody well-known. I think that's probably more fun for the listener. If
0: you're like, <laughs> my neighbor down the street.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, let's see. I'll just be really um, – you know it's so interesting like when I answer these questions I feel so shy about my preferences I realize that but also (laughs)
0: bear in mind too that like oh that's so beautiful sorry Mm -hmm. I just accidentally saw the most gorgeous thing Uh, beautiful cuff that uh, Heidi has on Um, I think this is just as much of a psychological exercise in like where you are in the moment because it's you're improvising these responses and it is kind of that like I'll say a word and you say the word that it makes you think of like your answer could be different in five minutes and it's okay this is transient it's ephemeral it's whatever you're feeling right now
1: Totally. Well, you know, I will. I'm just going to be obvious and, and fully loving of the first one, which is that um, one of the th- things I find most beautiful about Meryl Streep is her heart and her ugh, graciousness ugh, and how and like her holding a community of of artists like I am constantly moved by her.
0: I couldn't agree I mean, more.
1: I just, you know, yes, she's a brilliant actress, but that's like, you know, I don't know, somehow. But, I think yeah. if that's all there were, she wouldn't yeah. feel as important as I, she does. I just feel her heart tremendously, and it's yeah. incredible. Um, I would say, um, well, there's a writer that I adore named Jeanette Winterson. <gasps>
0: I love Jeanette Winterson love so her. much. Yeah. I haven't read her latest book, yeah, but I feel like I will say that I've, re- I've read Written on the Body and The Passion, specifically yeah. those two more times than I can count. And they really got me through. Like there were times in college where I was like, I got to keep it together. And I would just turn to her writing. Yeah. I just adore her
1: her. And then, you know, I would say something like, uh, probably Hafiz. Great. (laughs) Incredible poet, you know, um, many, many hundreds of years ago, but he, his poetry was just like, uh, just blasting your heart open and loving, uh, living in the moment. Yeah. Love it. You didn't ask for the reasons why I was giving these people,
0: but I gave them to no, you anyway. No, it's good. That, that, comes, that comes inherently as yes, they're being yes, listed. Yes. Um, okay, three places that you uh, have uh, like a vacation home, a second
1: home. Uh, Boulder, Colorado. Oh, Boulder. Um, let's just say somewhere in Tuscany. Great. Um, Can't go wrong. And uh, 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 the village, New York. Great. Great, great, great. So
0: different from one another too. These, <laughs> the vibes of those places are all so equally wonderful for completely different reasons. Um, how about, okay, now I'm getting a little more kooky, but, um, how about three characters, like characters from fiction or characters from a film or something like that, that, uh, you
1: wish were real people? god i have no idea why this is coming to me but um and maybe it's just because it's one of my favorite movies and is um why i don't know i love it i'm so excited (laughs) no but it's even i love the person i love um i love kevin klein in sophie's choice (laughs) listen
0: you can go ahead and plop kevin klein right up there with meryl streep as far as i'm concerned because
1: i love him so much yeah you could do put him in fish called wana too but no something about his um the way that the spirit of living that is so gorgeous i love that i love that one um how about um pippi longstocking yeah
0: oh pippi (laughs) Oh, I wanted to be Pippi Long talking so just, bad. I love
1: reading to my daughter now, you know, I mean, and just feeling I think anybody that is just brave and mm-hmm. um, fearless and playful. And Absolutely. That. That's such a great character. Um, let me think. Who else? Okay, we're, we're talking about movies or books. Yeah, Sure. Uh, anyone fictitious anyone fictitious uh i'm such i'm so drawing a blank um well i love the idea of the children's
0: book stuff because that's the stuff that really still gets me like I like that like when you said Peppy Long, something that sort of cracked open a bunch of like children's book stuff or even if it's like an animal or something that I you know what I mean I have a few floating around in
1: my head now that I'm like oh god I wish yeah 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 it's been I just yeah I just read a really sweet book to her called Turtle Turtle in Paradise or something It was very sweet about uh, the Bayou but or like oh. Key, Key Key West um uh, can we come back to
0: this? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Why not? Um, okay, let's do, well, let's do, do you just brought up, uh, because you love the movie. What about three, um, movies that you would be, it would be wonderful to just like jump into and just live in that world for a day or for whenever you wanted to like,
1: you know, Howard's end or yes. oh
0: Mary Poppins yes, or.
1: Yes. Okay. So again, I'll, I'll be, um, totally, uh, Present to my particular taste right now. And I'd say, um, you know, Downton Abbey. Yeah, um, let's do it. Let's I'm afraid, get right you know, in there. And I'm afraid I'm a huge madman freak and I would love to jump in there too. Great, right, right. And, you know, something like Great Gatsby. Or sure. Like that. Um, oh, uh, would be fun too. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. I'm gonna be driving home and thinking of all of these as well. <laughs> I know,
0: I know, but that'll be fun because then you'll have all these other things that pop through your head and remind you of like other stuff. How about um, three foods that you wish that at any moment on, with a craving you could like blink your eyes and it would mag- magically appear in front of you? It could be um, something that you especially love that you should have great positive associations with that's just a general food like. A beautiful quinoa salad. Or it could be like the burrito on the corner yeah, of blah blah yeah. blah. When I used to live in New York was like yeah. the best burrito yeah. I'd ever
1: had. Um Midnight Moon Cheese. Um, I don't know what that is. Oh my god, it's it's a goat cheese and it's like Ooh. so good and it's ridiculously expensive, but it's I, I I can't stop myself when I when I go to Star um, Mangoes eaten, you know, without any utensils. Yeah. Um, and there was a salad that I don't even know the name of, that when Andrew, my husband, was at Penn State, we used to go to this pizzeria, and we loved that salad, and we would just order it every week. Uh, I love um, it, I love it. so it was like a, I don't know, it was like romaine and cheap parmesan. and Pizzeria salad. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, Okay, let's see. Three... three books that I know, I know what your response is going to be for this. Sometimes I have people say like, there's this thing that someone wrote or there's this great masterpiece that we attribute to someone else, but really you're responsible for it. But if I say that to you, you're going to be like, no, I just want the person who created it to get all the credit (laughs) because like what a masterpiece. Um, let's say three poems or any other version of like a, could be a book or a masterpiece or something that um we don't know this but you were the inspiration for
1: oh that's lovely <laughs> um uh mary oliver's uh wild geese um hafiz is with that moon language um Uh, let's just say, um, David White's uh what to remember when Waking
0: oh, these all sound wonderful,
1: <laughs> they're all just beautiful poems, and they're people that I yeah that I adore Naomi Shihab Nye, oh my God, she's wonderful, gorgeous, okay.
0: And then last category, and then we'll come back to your final fictitious picture, <laughs> which, which I'm still like magically like, gets
1: brought why to can't life. I think of magical fix- <laughs>
0: <laughs> now it's got a bunch of like weird stress associated attached to it. I feel terrible. Um, let's see. Three things that you hope. For your children, like like, they're one of these things will be like uh, they'll they'll be profoundly strong in this particular area. But three possibilities—that's yeah. kind of
1: a big question. Um, in in feeling, in feeling, their the, the fullness of how they are loved and how they love. Um. In a In a confidence that comes from just knowing exactly who they are, mm. um, in their in their willingness to f- feel everything and still move forward with grace and strength. <laughs> oh, gorgeous. All right, We've come back to
0: it. Fi- a fictitious person Tell
1: me list list five movies for me that um, that you like and then I'll and uh, okay <laughs> let me think about
0: this I wish that Maud from Harold and Maud was yes, around and oh was a God. real person because I really want to smell yes. her the smell of vision thing that yes. you that she chugs up for Harold and he and that moment that comes over him when he smells the snow yeah to be able to put snow the smell of snow in a box yes. and all the ways that that makes you feel so Maud would be a good one um i love dick van dyke's character in mary poppins (laughs) i love bert so much (laughs) i love that he has a one-man band pretty much anybody who's still out there with a one-man band situation where like there's a drum attached to their back and they've got a harmonica strapped on and they've got like a guitar that person has got to be like an amazing human being yeah um what else do i love uh pretty much anything that like
1: emma thompson's character and sense and sensibility um okay I'm just going to say I, I this is not right but maybe you can use it because I I loved Carol Burnett so much Oh my god and yeah. I she's not a myth, mythological character she's not But you character. know what I totally but, understand but for her for me that was that was a huge uh i don't know just watching her was pure delight for me and it was such good medicine and no no um, that completely counts
0: we'll just we'll we'll (laughs) sort of that's sort of an extension of the you know this real person but also you know her by virtue of all of these like extraordinary characters that she brought to the table that made you laugh and stuff okay this is great this is maybe my new favorite mesh uh, uh series of options okay so just tell me when to stop stop Six. All right. So I'm going to pause this. I'm going to do some tallying, and then I'll return with your mash future. Okay. Uh, listen, there's not a loser among these, so you're going to be—you know—you're going to be golden no matter what the result is. Um, I want to first congratulate you on your—I'm going to go ahead and go for the gold right now. Your mansion in Boulder. Oh. Okay. So I like to imagine sort of an old. Like in Boulder, a mansion would probably be sort of like Gold Rush era, right? Mm. So it might be like a Victorian, but like roomier and bigger than,
1: you know, the sort of conventional small room Victorian, Mm. just like a great, big, beautiful... Yes. There's a street Home that leads history, to Sunshine Canyon. It's like a uh, Mapleton. And it, it, I honestly say if I move anywhere from Los Angeles, it'll be Boulder. So I'd I like to hear that Boulder. I might have a mansion in Boulder. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love Boulder so much. I love Colorado in general. Um,
0: and so you'll, you'll have plenty of room in your, uh, your Boulder mansion to, uh, you'll probably have a whole room just for your collage books. Oh, yeah, and spend as much time as you could ever possibly want um and listen, you know that's uh, that's a lot of that's a lot of hard work i mean it seems like it's you know as fancy free but it, it it's it's it there's a fullness to this this process and this hobby, and there's emotion to it maybe you get a little uh you're probably gonna be doing it so long you forget how hungry you are. no worries whenever you want it, snap your fingers, midnight moon cheese. Ah. <laughs> At your fingertips. (laughs) Yes. Um, In terms of uh, people to spend a little bit of time with. uh, Interestingly, there's a link between the two of them. You have uh, to spend time with and uh, no doubt to eat midnight moon cheese with and do collage books with. By the way, all of these things feels like stuff that she would want to do. Your dear friend Meryl Streep, yes,
1: bring her hanging on. out
0: in Boulder, <laughs> eating cheese and crackers, making collages, and talking about your feelings. Let's do it. Uh, and then also you have this uh, very very dear friend in Kevin Klein's character from Sophie's Choice. Oh yes,
1: let's so do it. We got a little that Sophie, we got a little
0: Meryl, and Kevin. I love it. Um, and then uh, if you, when you're ready to just take a huge adventure in time and space, you can also pop it. Into the world of the Great Gatsby, Gatsby. Mm. Uh, throw on your best flapper gown, fancy, fancy, and uh, do some Charlestoning, um, and then uh, perhaps all of this this wonderful flavor that you have in your life, both in your real life and in your mash life, is the reason that David White wrote the poem "What to Remember When Waking." Oh my gosh, that's great! Thanks for inspiring him <laughs> on that level. And then uh, this, I feel certain, will be true. Uh, well outside of our MASH game, um, feel just rest assured that you are raising your children and again I'm 100% certain this is not just living on this little piece of paper uh, to feel and recognize all the love mm-hmm. that exists for them and mm-hmm. to be able to uh, express theirs freely in return mm-hmm. and, and with safety and
1: recklessness all rolled into one mm, what a um, gift <laughs> yeah. what a joy What a joy! that, that's, that game is magic Janet. I mean it that's kind a of magic is isn't it because yeah, probably if I went through and chose the ones but yeah yes it's just the I random think I might have chosen the them <laughs>
0: <laughs> Heidi thank you so much for doing the podcast what thank a wonderful you. morning I've just had like total joy my to day be is with you. made it doesn't matter what else happens now it's been great thank you sweetheart it was so great Love gosh it. <laughs> guys have a wonderful week we are uh one episode away from being at episode 100 I don't know what that means since I have no plans uh it's gonna be tough to top this episode but uh, I-, I look forward to hearing from you guys and uh, we'll talk soon bye